This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 410, Change That Sucks Less. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, or those of you checking this out for the first time ever, hey, good to have you here. And small quick story, behind the scenes, we had a few technical website wacky things that were going on. Then again, I've said this for years that I've been doing this program now. Next month will be nine years of the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, which that's quite a while to be doing something. And there is the true story of the day that I was listening to someone else's podcast, and they said, well, that wraps us up for season three, we'll be back in the fall for season four, and then I was maybe 200 episodes into this program in and realized, oh, that's an option. So it was a bit of an intentional pause, and we are back and got some exciting episodes coming your way. In fact, today, perhaps uh, either the best titled episode ever, or maybe the worst titled episode ever, I'll let you decide. This originally was Measuring Hypnotic Success, and just by the time we wrapped up doing this, this was originally a live stream broadcast over in our public work smart hypnosis community. By the time it wrapped up, it kind of made better sense to title this episode, Change That Sucks Less. And here's where this comes from. It's that a conversation occurred the day that I recorded this, with someone who, and you'll hear the whole story inside of what you're about to jump into here, was that they had a client who, on a scale of 1 to 10, rated their problem as a 12. And then by the time everything was done with the process, they said it was then a 7. And this is where you and I, and even this other hypnotist, we could be in our heads going, I didn't do something right. And I will kind of call out that there is a school of thought that would then go so far as to Oh, it's because the client wasn't serious, or they, as the practitioner, did something wrong. And I tend to want to look for more positive spins on this, because here's the part of the story that really matters. Yeah, they went from a 12 down to a 7 in terms of a subjective rating, and yet they were absolutely thrilled about it. And so some of the stories and experiences that I'm about to share with you are ones that I've got to say on one side of things, I genuinely wish I was clever enough to make some of these things up. And some of them just help to illustrate that, again, we can talk about how we measure success in a variety of different ways, though sometimes there are situations where the desired outcome perhaps is just to, again, suck less. So a couple of things to mention before we dive into this. This is episode number 410 of this series. And I'm going to give you two options here. Option one is, of course, you can continue to listen to this as an audio podcast program. That's option one. Option two, though, is that this is actually the audio replay of a bonus live stream workshop that I taught inside of our Work Smart Hypnosis community, to which if you head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 410, 410, that will bring you over to the show notes page of this episode, and if you scroll down a little bit beneath the podcast player, we'll actually put the video presentation of this there in case you're someone who wants to watch this instead. Also, we're doing more of these events in the coming weeks of this style, 
So those of you in the US and Canada, you could actually right now open up your phones and send a text message with the word SMART. If you send that word SMART to the toll-free number 844-277-6278, again, the word SMART, it's okay if it's lowercase or all caps, or if you wanna be silly and alternate, doesn't matter, it's not what they call case sensitive, but send that word SMART to 844-277-6278. Those of you outside of the US and Canada, just the texting provider that we use doesn't let us broadcast internationally. So you can go to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash smart. And that's where our alert system for when I'm doing these types of pop-up training events, these bonus workshops, occasional interviews as well, you will be the first to know. In addition to that, since you're already going to be around your computers, might as well head over to worksmarthypnosislive.com. That is the live online interactive certification training event that I've been putting on for more than a decade now. In recent years, we had already begun to move it online for the sake of a hybrid style of training that yes, it is a hundred hour training event. However, the stuff that's lecture, the stuff that's demonstration, this creates a really great dynamic where the people going through this event can then watch the lecture content, do the classroom learning on their own schedules. And this makes it so as we gather together for the real-time live interactive component, it's how we're able to dive into a lot more interactive hands-on. If you want to see more clients online, it kind of makes sense to learn the process interactively online. And then also, uh, I bring on a special guest host frequently. And once again, we've got Dr. Richard Nongard joining me for this upcoming event. You can find all the details and watch the video tour at worksmarthypnosislive.com. I will mention that already some of you might out there be saying to yourselves, oh, I've already trained, I've already gotten certified, I don't need that. Well, here's what's interesting about this event. Richard and I became friends because we both have very different styles. And we don't agree on everything, which makes for a really fun class dynamic sometimes. My style is more about how do we conversationally get the change in motion even before the eye closure. So a lot of conversational change work, which then is ratified by the hypnotic process with a fair amount of hypnotic phenomenon. No matter if your client is visual or auditory or kinesthetic, they can feel their issue. Therefore, your client needs to feel the change is taking place. Richard's school of thought is a bit more, I'd say, Ericksonian in its style as well as his background as a licensed marriage and family therapist, and really also updating this whole evidence-based movement in professional hypnosis. So if you want to speak a dialogue that is respected by the general public, if you want to get more referrals from medical community and beyond, this is kind of the dialogue we should have already been having for a number of years, and that's why I bring Richard along for the ride and the party with Work Smart Hypnosis Live and online. Now, a couple of quick things. Head over to WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. You can watch the video tour, see all the details. Here's the thing, though. Uh, the fun of getting the new WorkSmartHypnosis.com website to work properly, or let's go with the theme of this week's episode, to get it to at least suck less, should be better by the time this episode rolls out, technically... If you're listening to this episode the day it came out, class started last night. However, we have designed the first class to completely stand on its own, and everything is archived for you in a lifetime access library. 
We've had people join this event even up until the third class and were completely fine to catch up, even if they were that sort of new hypnotist, new student, getting trained for the first time community. So you can check out the details, worksmarthypnosislive.com. We'll link to that, of course, over at the show notes. If you want to watch the video of this lecture on helping your clients' issues, well, again, you know, suck less. And with that, good to be back. Good to have you all here. Let's dive in. This is session number 410, Change That Sucks Less. All right, so there's an interesting topic that often pops up here, and it's this idea of how do we actually measure client success. Now, I will point out a couple of things even before we officially dive into this, which would be the fact that for many different issues, well, I'll phrase it this way. You would think that there is a binary outcome, as in it either worked or it didn't work. And part of why I'm sharing this message around measuring hypnotic success really actually goes back to a very interesting conversation I had a whole bunch of years ago. This must have been 2016, 2017. And perhaps the thing that's helpful to know with this story before you cast any really strong judgments was that it was the psychiatrist who was calling me first on behalf of who would eventually become my client. And the whole thing was, and I'll censor some of this for obvious purposes, that I've got this client of mine who says that he wants to, doesn't want to quit smoking. He smokes a lot. And he also bites his nails to the point that they're bleeding at times. He's injuring himself. Could you help him out? To which my obvious response was, well, clearly have him call me because just to be careful here, are these things that are goals that you have for him? Or, and he jumps in, the psychiatrist jumps in and goes, no, 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 he's very clear. This is something he wants to work on. I already brought up the idea of working with you. And I just figured I'd give you a call ahead of time just to screen the idea. And here's the various diagnoses that are also at play. Jason, I know how you typically work, that you'd be working with him just on these specific things. So I connect on a phone call with this guy and I just ask him directly, tell me more about the smoking thing. He goes, I have called three other hypnotists in the area and they've all told me I'm not going to be successful. I'll censor myself here. I said, that's a rather mm, crappy, let's go with that, suggestion. What's your goal? He goes, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. And I go, what do you want to be different about that? He explains, I don't really think I have an interest in quitting. You know, I think I just want to reduce it dramatically. I mean, even I can acknowledge that three packs of cigarettes, 60 cigarettes a day is a bit excessive. He goes, I want to bring it down to three. And I go, what's the thing about other hypnotists? He goes, well, I called around and at least three other people told me that if I don't completely quit, I'm just going to backslide and go back to the old issue. To which, again, I go, remember the thing I said before? He goes, crappy suggestion. He said the other word, though. And I go, yeah, exactly. So it's my job to help you to achieve the outcome that you want. And if that's the thing that you're going to do, do you mind if I ask you a question in a rather provocative way? He goes, I like where this is going. I respond, is it okay if while you go from 60 cigarettes a day down to three cigarettes a day, you can perhaps enjoy the hell out of those three cigarettes even more than you've ever enjoyed the three packs. 
And he goes, I want to do this. I go, well, your doctor called me ahead of time, mentioned this other thing about nail biting. What's the priority? Not my quote. This guy's quote. Well, his words, I'm not some damn woman. I don't care what my nails look like. I think it's just the smoking thing. You see how sometimes it is beneficial to ask your client, what do you want to change today? What's the thing you want to be different? And I can understand where some would come at it from that angle of all or nothing. But then again, let's look at the category of people who want to change their drinking behaviors. And let, let's put it this way. Perhaps, yes, there are some people out there, and I'll let you define for yourself exactly what this means. There are some people out there that just this substance doesn't work for them. Okay. Um, I've had maybe a handful of cigarettes in my entire life. Some of you know this is private. And in this space where I go live and I share things of this nature, it's where often I can get a little bit more personal here that admittedly, I am trying to cut back from a bit of an embarrassing habit, specifically not quite cigarettes, but cigars. I am trying to cut back really hard from my two cigars a year addiction. Okay, good. Now you're laughing at this. <laughs> so I share this because sometimes it is, yes, let's put that out there just as an easy definition. There are some people that a specific thing just doesn't work for them. And just, it might have to be for some of the people, some of the time, an all or nothing solution. But then again, here's the guy who calls up and often it's the quantity of alcohol is where you have to be a little bit more cautious. And he says, as if he was kind of mind reading where this chat was going to go, I need you to hear my entire story before you make any judgments. I go, never heard that one before. He goes, I'm having six beers a night. However, they're, what were they, like Michelob Ultra. So he go, and I, I jumped in. I'm like, I mean, so like alcohol content wise, what is that? Like two and a half decent IPAs? He goes, maybe two. I go, forget the alcohol. How much are you going to the bathroom? He goes, that's why I'm calling. And this is the guy who had threatened to go online and leave a review. Jason Lynette made me drink on purpose. Rest of the story was the fact that it was just a because it's there. That was part of the routine. And yes, for the age regression purist out there, for the trauma-focused practitioners out there, both therapeutic as well as non-therapeutic, could we just throw in this little idea for a moment that Yes, sometimes there were a series of life events that people shouldn't have had to have gone through that then becomes the reason why they then do a specific thing. And then at a certain point, though, it just kind of establishes as habit. They may have even completely resolved the emotional thing, but now the habit is just the habit here. Going back to the three cigarettes a day guy, that was what the process was. And without going into too much personal detail for obvious purposes, one of several diagnoses that this is part of why the psychiatrist reached out first was that one of the most high functioning obsessive compulsive people I've ever met. And the conversation went around to, so somewhere in the mind, his reality is built upon creating rules and following the rules. So if he's got a rule that says smoke three packs a day, can't we just apply the same principle to three cigarettes? The doctor goes, are you going to use this ailment against him? I go, it seems like it would work. And sometimes I wish I'm clever enough to make this stuff up. Psychiatrist goes, can I watch? He was there for the first session. Uh, 
helped him hit his goal. I will admit, let's say appropriately leading at some points, make up a name here, looking at names that are here. It wasn't Casey, but let's go with Casey. Um, you know what, Casey, I'm, I don't know when you're going to get bored with these three cigarettes on your own and just decide to stop because you're just fed up and you've made that decision for yourself. I mean, that's not something I'm going to tell you yet. For some people, that's what happens. He goes, yeah, we'll see. It's like three or four months later, the phone rings and it's the familiar voice. And it's, you know what, Jason, I figured I'd give you a call as an update. I kind of got bored with the three cigarettes on my own. And I don't think that was the hypnosis. I just kind of got, he's saying it verbatim. I just got fed up and just decided to stop on my own. But I figured I'd give you an update, but this is great. Hey, I've got a friend who wants to come. So I share this to kind of lead into this dialogue around measuring hypnotic success. If I can make a bold statement to kick off this segment here, it would be, perhaps we shouldn't quote George Carlin if I'm referencing anything religion, though he did at one point reduce the Ten Commandments down to one, thou shalt keep thy religion to thyself. I would also point out it is also our purpose at times, within reason, let's go there, to help our clients achieve the goal that they clearly want to achieve. And I've got to throw in the devil's advocate moment here as someone who regularly teaches hypnosis certification events. You know, we do the Work Smart Hypnosis Live online training. Details online at worksmarthypnosislive.com. Those of you watching the live stream of this, I've got fancy graphics. By the way, if you want updates about these live stream workshops that I do inside of our Work Smart Hypnosis community, Let's see if the technology works. This is going to sound great if you're listening to a recording of this on the podcast later. Um, we send out announcements when I'm doing these real-time events. So if you text the word SMART to the phone number, this is only applicable for US and Canada, 844-277-6278. Everyone else in the world, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash SMART. And because this is broadcasting and something that's going to have a replay, I'll just let you rewind back and hear that in real time. The, the devil's advocate moment is sometimes there is that dialogue more so in a training, which is where you kind of have to swoop in and point out that you have to point out that here's the fact that that's not something that tends to frequently happen. I'm not saying it couldn't yet for the most part, um, I only have one questionable moment with a weight loss client, which was just that, for lack of a better term, just to say it politely, it was a level of ignorance that they didn't quite have a clue what they should have been doing. And I just kind of let something happen differently that I've never done before and I've never done since to go, okay, so now that we've done the consult, let me give you the name of the nutritionist I'd like you to go see for just one appointment. She does that to kind of walk you through how you're currently eating, make some specific suggestions, and then bring the roadmap of what she does to our next meeting, which will be our first hypnotic session. And I mean, that's the one exception I've got. Um, I've not had the rail thin person saying I need to lose more weight. I'm not saying that won't happen. I'm just saying that sort of what if, what might, the big part of we, of we told people about today's event was kind of talking about some of those theoretical stories in terms of things that we would be in our heads going, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And it's why so many in this industry will often train, but then never actually start seeing clients. This what if, what might. The story that really illustrates where this is all coming from today 
was a conversation that happened earlier today. And thank you, Keith from Canada. We'll just leave it at that for the recording here. Was that in his words, here is this client, I forget the specific fear, that calibrated on a scale of zero is nothing, 10 is the worst it can be. Like she said, it was a 12. Yeah, out of 10. So clearly that was a bad fear. And by the time they were done, she then measured that the fear was a seven. Okay, so let's just play numbers for a moment, roughly reduce the issue by half. Let's go with that. Now, here's the part of the story that really matters, in my opinion. The client was absolutely thrilled with that outcome. And I'd kind of bring into this this reality check that there are some things in life that, yes, we're still supposed to be afraid of. Here's the woman who would not go in her backyard out of fear there might be a snake. And as we work together, could actually now go in the backyard. Now, ultimate irony, I guess if that's the right word here, was that then she was the person who went on this walkabout vacation in Australia, got bit by a venomous snake. Here comes the EpiPen. Here came being rushed off to um, the hospital, to the emergency room, and everything was fine. Yet the dialogue afterwards was that, of all people, it's kind of bothering me that this isn't freaking me out. Like, what do you mean by that? She goes, it's the fact that now I know I'm not going to see that specific breed of snake in my backyard. This is when I was in Virginia, in Woodbridge, Virginia. That's not going to happen. In fact, the other day, I did see a snake actually in my garage. It was this little harmless one. You know, it wasn't like I was going to pick it up and give it a name and keep it in my house. But, you know, I kind of grabbed a shovel. I'm like, oh, no. No, she goes, I grabbed a shovel and I kind of scooped it up and then just carried it out to the yard and then kind of put it on the grass in the field across the street. So she goes, I'm able to be around it, but just, I guess we could say this appropriate level of caution, this appropriate level of being able to make the judgment for yourself, the same as I can think off the top of my head, let's look at this category of fear, where he said the issue of driving on highways was previously, if we want to use the whole suds thing, was around an eight. And then as we worked together at one point, it was, what would you rate it at now? And he said three. And everybody write this magic question down and start to use this with your clients. What's different about it at a level of three compared to where it used to be at the eight? And for this person, what he said next was this moment of going, I guess we're good. He goes, you know what? I want to keep some level of caution. You know, not that I believe you could brainwash me to become completely, you know, ignorant of everything on the road and what might be going on around me. Yet at a level of three, you know, the fact that I used to have this debilitating fear could instead become every reason I drive with greater caution. I'm observant more of the cars around me. You know, maybe part of this was a couple of accidents that I got into where I know I might have been following too closely. And let's now use that caution for my benefit rather than keeping me afraid and staying at home. Do you hear that kind of response? Which, yes, clearly years later is a paraphrase. But it's where, again, we sometimes hear this dialogue, which I will lovingly point a finger of when it comes from more of the armchair philosopher of what should be, what ought to be. Stop shooting on each other, everybody out there. The other part of this would be 
the absolutist protocol that this is the one true model and this is the only way that we get results. And if you're not using this method, you're not going to get outcomes. And the downfall of that is that when it's not working, some of these would go so far as to actually teach the new practitioner. It means the client wasn't ready. And as I'm looking at some of the names I see as we're doing this live in the community for the first time here before it goes out on the podcast next week, it's that you've all got more experience doing hypnosis than your clients have. Therefore, whose responsibility is it to become more flexible in the process? Oh, no, we didn't get it to a zero. And I'd be curious, we're going off of a theoretical here because it was more, I asked the question, what was it like when the client said it was a seven? They said they felt fine with that. It's like, then that's the response. High fives all around, doing fantastic. So I wanted to share this because we get to this place where we, we know this with the work that we do. And it's where I tend to teach, you know, even in the marketing systems of all that I do, how do we get the audience raising their hand and saying that they're interested? How do we make use of content in such a way where now they are appropriately selling themselves into what we do? And we're speaking to an audience that's not only sold on the hypnotic process, but also sold specifically on us because, um, and anyone who's here live, I won't say the names. <laughs> I won't say the names as I um, do the audio part of this one, but have you had that moment before where, again, you were in your head going, it should have gone this other way, yet you were completely shocked that the client got the result? That according to the training, according to the book you might have learned from, you had this moment where suddenly it's this dialogue as to this is the way it was supposed to go. And you're like, this process isn't going right. This isn't going the way that it's supposed to be. And yet then all of a sudden, everything is resolved. So I share that because it's really listening to your clients that becomes a major part of this solution. That was a quote from the mentalist as well as student of hypnosis, Alon New. Someone in the chat just dropped in. Don't NLP on my leg and tell me it's raining. That was Alon, former guest of the WorkSmart Hypnosis Program. The story to really launch into here. I promised the frantic phone call from a student that changed how I think about hypnosis. She calls me up and she says, I've got someone who wants to come in for something that I've never heard of before and I just don't know what to do. And I go, what's the issue? She goes, he gets this almost PTSD style reaction when people sing the happy birthday song. He gets this near PTSD style reaction when he hears the happy birthday song, which no matter what model of hypnosis you follow, uh, whether you are the, here's where they are today, let's go for the mindfulness of here's where they are today and all that we can change is the future. If you are the regressionist or even the timeline person and it's all about changing the perceptions of the past, no matter what your model might be, he gets this extreme reaction when the happy birthday song is sung to him or even played, even in a movie, uh, which was kind of that turning point apparently that I forget what movie it was that she told me he'd heard it and it's like, oh, this is really an issue. No matter what model of hypnosis you come from, and this sounds a little heartless, I know. Oh, something happened. <laughs> and the question, though, was in terms of hypnotic depth, you know, if we're going to follow an Aaron's depth scale or just <laughs> the Elman, 
depth scale, light, medium, deep, or any of the other ones that are out there. And yes, depth, in my opinion, is two different conversations. Depth for the client is the subjective experience of what they're experiencing. For us, it's more objective in terms of what suggestions are we giving that are actually being accepted. This is why I'm a huge fan of using hypnotic phenomenon in the change process. It's one, ratifying the experience for the client, two, proving something is actually going on, and three, even at places where I can go, I've got this desired depth or I've got something hypnotic and that's enough, the depth will then bring them into that greater place and it's this dual relationship of their experience as well as if I can suggest this one thing, they can suggest something else. So her question was, what level of hypnotic depth do I need to get this guy to in my session so I can now suggest that the happy birthday song is his favorite song? And those of you that are here with me live right now, I'd be curious to hear what your first impulse would be as an answer to that question. That again, her question was, what level of hypnotic depth do I need to achieve to be able to suggest that this is now his favorite song? This thing that created this extreme emotional reaction and through this filter of how we talk about depth and hypnosis, what level would we have to bring him to to then eventually give the suggestion that now almost think a little bit more like stage hypnosis, that now this is your favorite thing in the world. Uh, I don't do stage hypnosis anymore. I did previously. I've kind of pulled myself out of it because just those other hypnotic things that became more so the passion. And could I just point out, I never saw the humor in getting the person up and dancing. In fact, it was better to say... In your mind, you are the world's most incredible dancer, but no one in this audience will understand your style because you know that you're the trendsetter. It might look weird to all these people, but they firmly believe in this quality of dancing, and now it's more entertaining because anyone can get up and dance. Stephanie just mentioned here in the chat about uh, thought field therapy. Some forms of EFT have you singing happy birthday to the person or using that as a pattern interrupt. My response was, I think that's a little too bold of a suggestion. And this is where some of the purists are now clenching up as I say this out loud. Okay, let me quantify this ahead of time. I believe that, yes, there are some people who, as this is the word that Sean Michael Andrews uses, there's some that may be that ultimate virtuoso of a subject that you can just give the suggestion, this is now your favorite song, and that's it. Maybe. I'll give you that. However, to go so far as to tell somebody this is your absolute favorite song, especially they know their whole history. They know the story as to what it has been up until now. And she goes, yeah, I don't think anyone's ever dealt with this. And I then had to respond, I have. Because my client with this exact same issue was Jingle Bells. And remember, no matter your model of hypnosis, oh, something happened. And here's the what happened. And permission, of course, to tell the story here, I've asked. It's that it was this like elementary church musical type thing, holiday. It was a Christmas performance. Hers was the chorus is singing a song. And then at some point, the elf is supposed to burst out of this package on the set, except the set was made by the children. She is, those of you that know the Bob Newhart stop it routine, she is inside of a box. <laughs> and it's her cue when they sing this song, wasn't Jingle Bells, but when they sing the song, it was her cue to then burst out of the package, sing a funny song, do a dance, run off the stage. And she's in the box and she can't get out of it. 
the children built the scenery. It wasn't built well. And the chorus director and the kids, I guess the assumption was, oh, she can't hear us. Let's do another song. So she's stuck in a box. I'm getting chills with this one. She's stuck in a box and let's go with Jingle Bells because we can just keep repeating the chorus over and over. Even if you don't know the other five, other five verses of that song. So this is going on and on and on. And little eight or nine year old brain is convincing herself that I'm going to run out of air and die in here. At which point someone finally figures that out, burst her out. They kind of pause the show, calm her down, and they just skip the scene and it's the rest of the thing. Ever since then, Jingle Bells, not having a good time. And she goes, well, what did you do? I go, well, again, the suggestion that it's now your favorite thing. I made it a point to bring up this previous experience doing stage hypnosis. Those of you that might do it, they might be something to steal from what I'm about to say. Teenagers, just say children, have a very polarized reaction to modern pop music. They either love Taylor Swift right now, or they absolutely hate her. They either love you know, Dua Lipa, or they absolutely hate her. They either love the Jonas Brothers, or they hate them. I think they all still hate Justin Bieber, but he's not here to defend himself. Kid's doing all right for himself. And so that kind of polarized reaction. So I was made fun of by a high school principal once for using a lot of 1970s funk, a lot of well-known 80s music <laughs> to high schoolers in the mid-2000s and 2000, early 10s. And it was at that age, they would go, I know that song. And it was not, oh, I hate this one. So I bring that really into this dialogue here about how do we measure hypnotic success? And here's the statement that really was this aha in the conversation I had earlier today and kind of why I want to share it with all of you. Sometimes as people, we have to go through experiences where the most likely of outcomes is that it sucks less. My passion these days is working with people for public speaking and a side benefit of no longer being in the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, when I was up there and working with public speakers, oftentimes I would have to ask an important qualifying question. I think you might know what I mean when I ask you this, but like how dynamic does your presentation need to be? And here was the guy who aged out of the foster care program and was basically doing a one-man show to, in his words, convince millionaires to donate money to a problem that they didn't know existed because they grew up having both sets of parents there loving them. So he had to bring them into his personal story and whatever the cause was one day, suddenly it was like anxiety spike when he would get up there and speak. Because I don't have as many government contractors now as clients, how dynamic does your presentation need to be? I work for this government agency and I need to stand there behind the lectern and I need to read the PowerPoints and talk about our findings, how dynamic. Um, not said one of them one time. So my passion, um, we're, we're allowed to be a little bit appropriately picky about what we work on. The ones that I'm the most excited about and part of now being 100% online and my clients going out of their way to find their way to me is that I get to spend my time with the ones for that category that truly want to become excited about it. And this is a big part of the dialogue that I put out and what serves as my promotional stuff these days of not just I'm okay with it now, but now I really enjoy this and I love now putting my presentation together and I'm looking forward to it 
And even so, I'm measuring the results that I'm getting. It's now a passion. It's now a thrill of mine. Those are the people that I'm the most excited about working with. And then again, though, yes, can we, with proper hypnotic suggestion, conditioning, bring someone to a place where perhaps perhaps the scenario is that uh, they don't feel the needle as it goes in the skin out of a complete fear of injections. Could we suggest the full hypnotic anesthesia? Yes, absolutely. And my model of how we think about hypnosis is that everything can be conditioned. It just doesn't work with my philosophy of this to go. Some people are more responsive to others. No, everything can be conditioned over time. Some may just go there faster. But then again, What's the deeper issue with that client? Is it the pain or is it the perception of the pain? Is it the expectation more so of the pain? And for that, can we just take a moment and talk about how at the end of the day, it's still metal shoving into flesh? And that might not be the most comfortable thing. And yet it, uh, what's the high-tech therapeutic language we're suggesting here? It massively sucks less and then it's over and it's not an issue again. I've got this amazing testimonial somewhere on a website where the whole reason she wanted to get over the needle fear was that they were going through in vitro, they were going through all sorts of fertility treatments. And I mean, that's a lot of needles. And she goes, yeah, I feel it every time. Yet now I'm carrying on the conversation with the nurse, with the doctor, with my husband, and just, it's a thing. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're at the post office, and there's that person who wants to do everything they can to let you know that they're unhappy with the fact that they're having to stand in line. <sighs> that happened a little while ago. It's like, I was just dropping something off, prepaid everything, stamps.com. We'll make that a link, I'm sure, in the show notes when we air this as a podcast. Saved me from standing in line. This was the thing I had to stand in line for. And it was, hey, this is shipping to a student of mine up in Calgary, up in Canada. And yeah, the shipping was like 40 bucks for this box yet I'm kind of busy this week, and now I don't have to drive to Calgary. Yeah, I'll stand in line. Sucks less. So, <laughs> which sometimes this does fit into the theme of how we communicate with our clients. Because I had promised the story of the person that she left a three-star review online, and I would typically not do this, yet because I had just seen her earlier that week, the first outreach was to go make up a name here off of someone who's here with us live. It wasn't Stephanie, but we'll say Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, uh, saw the review online. What's up with that? And she immediately goes, never mind. I'm going to go online. I'm going to fix that. Hang on. I'll do it right now. There, it's five. Sorry. Yeah, I was way too critical. But here was the story. The first draft of that review, Jason was a life-changing experience because my fear of flying is now completely gone. Except the flight to, I think it was Frankfurt, was so god-awful boring because I had nothing to do for the eight or nine hours. And I was prepared to swoop in and just go, bring a book, <laughs> watch a movie, um, play a game on something. Um, the luxury of being bored, and she she caught it right away. And normally I wouldn't. Just earlier that week, she goes, "This is amazing. I'm going to tell this person. Like, did something change?" So, future proofing our clients' resilience. So by bringing this into the dialogue here, it's that yeah, the person who got over the fear of snakes, 
might need to buy a lottery ticket this day, gets bit by one. And it's a serious thing for that moment. And yet it's then back to stasis. You know, I flew back from Boise, Idaho uh, about three weeks ago. I was out for an event and actually the flight coming back, I had strategically made it so that um, I wanted to sleep on the other flight. So first I flew from Boise, Idaho to San Francisco, which is west, and then San Francisco down here to Orlando. And I will admit, had I not been able to be in a seat where I can see the air traffic, uh, the, the flight attendants sitting in like those little half jump seats. And as soon as what I'm about to describe happened, I'm sure there were people on this flight that were very uncomfortable with this. Yet something about being able to see the flight attendants seated there, bracing themselves. And then one mutters to the other, and I was just close enough to hear it. Told you so. As the plane touched down for a moment and then went back up in the air, not until seven or eight minutes later did the pilot finally come on and say there was too much wind, we could not safely land, we're going further out so we can safely turn around <laughs> and then land in a better direction. And mine was only extended by 30 minutes got to have the story of, well, this has never happened before. Then again, a friend of mine who was flying back from the same event, basic area, different airline, they were circling in the air for two hours before they can get clearance to land. Are there going to be the occasional moments where things don't go exactly as planned? Are there going to be the moments where even for the public speaker, perhaps the sound quality at the event isn't as great as they would like it to be? Uh, the time that I was so excited about a specific opportunity and there was incredible lighting in this venue, I brought my camera along. I got permission in advance to like do a two camera shoot, have a microphone on me, have a microphone aimed at the room. Last minute, I took my cell phone, my iPhone, put it on a little standoff to the side and I had a third camera now aimed at the audience. And guess what? The lighting was phenomenal everywhere other than the stage. And no one there knew how to redirect the lighting. Former theatrical backstage employee, I'm like, does anyone have a key to the booth? I can go up to the catwalk and no, we don't have the key. And so I just packed the cameras up and left them in the car. And presentation went the way that it was supposed to, yet still, I'm still in my head at one moment going, oh, that was good. Oh, that's the, that's the video that I needed. So I'm sharing this because this type of conversation has happened many times before. Of, I was told by this person, that means I didn't do the work thoroughly enough. This one said that if they're going after that goal, it means they're not going to be successful. Statement number one to bring this to a near close. Stop it. <laughs> Statement number two, sometimes, and I say this playfully, though it's absolutely true, sometimes you have to listen to your client because it's their opinion. It's their outcome. It's their perspective of the change. Likewise, there will sometimes be those moments where you kind of need to future-proof things and put things into a better context. Here was the person that it was this sort of nondescript desire for change of, I'm just generally a cynical person. I'm just generally, I look for the worst in everything. And that's kind of what I grew up hearing, she says, and just, I want to find more positivity. And holy crap, that happened quickly. It was going wonderfully. And it's like the third or fourth appointment. She's in front of me again, as we're kind of working around other things related to this. 
and just walks in and just the energy in the room is just down. And it's, I thought this would have been going better. And the rest of the story was, she's in the minivan with her two kids in the back. Here's the 18-wheeler who is merging without looking. And the minivan does a full 360, lands upside down in the sort of ditch area between the two highways. No one was injured. The car was totaled. The truckers had good insurance. There's like bruising from the seatbelts because they were rolling around and upside down all the airbags, all the safety things employed. I mean, the fact that they got out with just mild bruises from the seatbelts is miracle. And it wasn't even just the accident. Anyone who's been in even a minor fender bender, the horror that they put you through dealing with your insurance company and then the other insurance company was all this frustration. Well, there I pay for this expensive plan that gives me the rights to a rental car but I have to wait till the other insurance company does an appraisal of the damages, even though my company's already said my van is totaled, but they have to say it's totaled. And until then, I'm having to pay for a rental. And just this has been such a frustrating week. And I'm like, you didn't die. High five. And that could have been the worst thing I could have said, yet she burst out laughing and went, thank you, I needed that. Um, and then we continued where we were. So again, maybe this perhaps isn't the most inspirational thing that will land the next keynote of how to help your clients experience life in a way that sucks less. And as we just did this inside of our Work Smart Hypnosis community, those of you either watching this live or perhaps picking up the replay of it, love to hear your thoughts on this. Love to hear your feedback. If you're looking at this over on the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast website as it rolls out, you know, drop a comment down below. And I'll mention a few other quick things before we wrap this up, that this type of live stream workshop is something that we're fitting into the calendar more and more. And to get real-time alerts as these launch, two simple ways to do that. Uh, we set up something really cool for those of you in the U.S. and Canada, uh, which is if you dial the number or if you send a text message with the word SMART, work SMART, hypnosis, if you send that word SMART to 844 277-6278, that will pop you a message back that will put you on our distribution list when I go live, when a new podcast episode comes out. We're just going to be sending you alerts of that nature to that specific text message list. Or if you're outside of the US and Canada and you want the same alerts, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash smart will give you the same option there too. And uh, actually rather short notice, We've already got people, of course, signed up for this, but the next Work Smart Hypnosis Live and Online Training kicks off. I'm recording this live on Friday, May 19th. The next class kicks off Wednesday next week. This podcast episode will come out the day after, though class number one stands on its own. We often have people that are jumping in by way of the second class and just becomes the game of, cool, watch the replay, then you're in with us. Richard Nongard joins me once again for this upcoming event. So my style of conversational influence leading to the hypnotic suggestion, as well as using hypnotic phenomenon to ratify the change in real time. I don't believe in fingers crossed hypnosis. I want you leaving the experience knowing the change has occurred. With what Richard does, taking the last 30, 40 years of modern research and finally bringing that into Modern day hypnosis, this should not be the trending thing these days, but evidence-based hypnosis. Yeah, the thing we already should have been doing, the stuff that's been proven to work 
which if you want to increase the number of clients you're seeing as well as, well, today started with the story of a referral from a medical practitioner. This is the dialogue you want to be having there. And part of this, these topics are also why typically half of our attendees are brand new to hypnosis and this is the first thing that they're doing. And the other half of people already are substantially trained, might already be actively seeing clients, and yet it's the task of now wanting to fill in the gaps, build up that confidence, creativity, and flexibility in their work. You can see the whole video tour over at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. I want to thank everybody for joining me here today. So I'm going to wrap this up, I think, in a very non-ceremonious way. Please don't let this become the new catchphrase everyone associates with me. We've already got the whole make it rain thing and a lot of purple, but hey, get out there and help your clients' lives suck less. Jason Lennon here once again, and as always, thank you so much for engaging with this program, reaching out to our various guests over the years, and letting others know about this program. I'll tell you the biggest takeaway for me for doing this program now for quite some time, it'll be 10 years next year, it'll be nine years next month, is that I never had intended for this to become this growing resource for the hypnotic profession. And yes, I run my WorkSmart Hypnosis community. You can find the links to it over at the WorkSmart Hypnosis website. It's free to join. Just make sure you answer those three questions so my admins know to let you into that. Yet even inside of other communities, it's where a question pops up and it might be something that I've taught, like in a solo episode like this week, or it might be someone referencing that they heard this person say when they were a guest on the show. So this becoming this ongoing, growing resource of the community. And again, for those that want to hang out more and make use of powerful hypnotic change and really step into that confidence, creativity, and flexibility that is necessary to keep seeing a bunch of clients and earn a great income from it and... I'll tell you, even the days before I had kids, I would see these marathon schedules of clients and I would walk out with the same energy I walked in with, with the right mentality of change. Every process, every process becomes good to great. And even better, it's best illustrated by the day that I saw like six clients in one day for one same issue. Just, it was a coincidence. Everybody came in for the same thing and every session was different. Every session was different, not to keep myself entertained, yet instead the quality of the process directly connects to the quality of the questions that you ask and how in real time you can seamlessly, I'll say this two ways, make it up as you go, no, there's a better way to say that, as well as customize specifically for what that person in front of you needs. That's what we share inside of the trainings that I do, whether it's the business, whether it's the hypnosis content. If you want to check out something that's more self-paced on your own, that's hypnoticworkers.com. If you want hypnotic workers, but also want to get the real-time hands-on experience and really level up that confidence, that's worksmarthypnosislive.com. Good to have you all here. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. <laughs>